SMQBs, episode 16, NFL draft recap. Everyone on the show agrees Washington football team had the best draft of the week. Uh, no doubt about it. No dispute there. Uh, also, we do our punchable face of the week where we take the MLB to task uh, for the state of the game right now. And a Ted Lasso moment you won't want to miss. So check it out. And uh, if you like it when you're done, uh, head on over to uh, wherever you listen to your podcast and give us a review. We'd love to get five stars from you and a uh, recommendation. Thanks. Enjoy. SMQB's episode 16. It is the draft recap. And hey, Rooster, I just have a question for you. Who is bigger, Devonta Smith or House? That's a tough question. Uh, but I'm not going to, I am not going to rail on Devonta Smith, as, even though I'm very bitter about what the cow, how the Cowboys did me wrong. Well, uh, I think he's awesome. I love him, and I hope he has an awesome career. Well, Philly, wow. Philly's in love with him, and we're gonna, I'm sure we're going to hear a little bit about. Oh it, boy, but, are they uh, in love? The last, um, you know, the the last uh, mighty midget athlete of Allen Iverson who went there did okay, but it's a slightly different uh, game he was playing than football in the NFL. So God bless. I, God I just want to tell you we. We foiled your whole intro because I knew you were waiting for us to draft a quarterback so you could throw my face in the intro. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh. I'll say this you. about Everybody Devonta Smith. When, the, when Alabama would run the pick play, he was the guy they would use to knock the defender off, not not the tough bigger dude. receivers. He's a tough little bastard. Yeah, he is. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm sure he'll be awesome for three years. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> uh, well, I was kind of shocked he outweighed me. House, let's let's start with you, with you. What do you what do you think about the draft? Well, overall, I just want to say that if there's any question, what kind of production and league the NFL is. I mean, I watched that screen and I'm like, we're basically coming out of COVID. You've got tens of thousands of people that are showing up in Cleveland where it's freezing to watch someone, someone's name be announced on the stage. And you've got millions of people watching names that they have no idea who these people are, but they live and die and they're crying on the floor and throwing things at the TV. The NFL is just awesome. I'll just say that. But um, I thought the draft uh, was overall interesting in that we really I mean, over every year, we don't know these players very well, but I feel like more than ever, we really didn't know the players this year because of COVID. There were so few games played. So many of these guys that were drafted were holdouts. So they're playing tape from the 2019 season. I thought it was pretty interesting that across the board in the first few rounds, you were seeing the blue chip NCAA football teams picks taken over and over and over again. You knew that kids that were coming out of Alabama and Ohio State and Oklahoma and all these Georgia, those were top, top, well, we'll get to that, top, top heavy in the first few rounds. But look, I was very, very happy with the Eagles draft. 
the Eagles came in with 11 picks. They made nine. They picked up a first rounder and a fifth rounder for next year's draft, which is supposed to be very, very deep because players had the eligibility to stay for one more year. And the whole thing that Eagles fans were worried about dropping down from six and losing out on the chance of either getting Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith, they got Devontae Smith at 10 when they were able to snag the pick from the Cowboys. What an unbelievable moment in that draft. Jerry was sure he was going to get J.C. Horn or Patrick Sertain. They get taken by the Panthers and the Broncos. And the next thing you know, the Eagles have the next pick at 10, and the Cowboys chair is empty. Who here thinks that's absolute sacrilege that Jerry – I mean, made, what, made that deal so that an interdivisional rival so, could get the Heisman Trophy winner. Well, y'all want, the deep, y'all want the deep dive on what happened? No, I, it's just no. utter okay. sacrilege. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just want you I, to I, say Jerry I, I, sucks. I want the deep dive. I just want you I, to say I, Jerry sucks. I think it's sacrilege, so, and I want the deep dive. Well, I do want the deep I, dive. I think, on, I think on, on draft night, we were texting. We were like, you know, that came out of nowhere. Jerry... They, I am sure they are, you know, stunned, blindsided, whatever. Now, what are they going to do? Um, and I was like, trade down. I mean, you know, get get out uh, because your your guy's not there anymore, either Horn or Sertain. But uh, Jerry, you know, and all day long, they had a feeling that the Broncos were up to something. And so uh, if, you know, if Horn had gone at eight, then the Broncos would take Sertain at nine. They were worried about that. So they actually had been talking to the Eagles uh, for hours before the draft under that scenario. If it happened, they wanted assurances. The Eagles weren't going to draft a defender. Uh, and they said, no, you know, we want Devonte Smith. And if he's available uh, and that's, that's why they did it. I mean, you know, they got a third out of it, um, which considering they got their guy anyway, who would have been available at 10 or 12, I mean, who they really they really fucked was was the the Giants. The Giants. Um, they wanted sir. They wanted Sir Tain. Of course they did, but he wasn't available. He was off the board at nine, and so they so, wanted Parsons, and they could have got him at ten or could have got him at twelve. I'm, so that's I'm a no sorry. Brainer. I I fair I I fail to believe that Jerry Jones was that organized at a draft. Yeah, that is was, beyond yeah. his ability to have I agree. Plan like so, that. That's a I good agree. story he looked, that he came looked, out. He looked like a deer in and the headlights. And it was Steven. I mean, come on. Sertain. These guys he, aren't that stupid. They both had that fake smile when the Broncos took Sertain like they had no idea what to do. Speaking of last that. Year, the Eagles last year, I just want to say, the Eagles last year had a chance to jump up in front of the Cowboys to get CeeDee Lamb. They didn't. I thought that that was sacrilege to let somebody in division get a stud receiver that could burn them for years to come. And I think that's the same. The Cowboys could get burned for years to come by Devonte Smith trade with anybody, but not the Eagles. Yeah, and but he, the last right. thing I'll but, say but is he also, would have gone, he would have gone to the giants at 11. Giants, yeah. He would have been in the that, that was anyway. the calculus. You I think prevent you, him from going to anyone. Right? I know Rooster's going to talk him to go to the Eagles. I know, I know Rooster's going to talk about the great value that the giants got out of this draft. But if you compare the value that the giants got, trading down out of the 11 spot with the bears and all they picked up for that. And what Jerry got for that, even though it was just two spots, I also think Jerry got roped. I don't Mm -hmm. think Jerry did a very good job with that trade. The other, the other part of this though, is why in the world are the Broncos taking certain? That is the one position they may not need any help at. Right. 
And and the big unspoken thing the whole night, uh, even by all the analysts, was what's going on with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. And I, I immediately thought the Broncos are drafting for the Packers. At least they thought they were. They thought they must have thought they had a deal in place with the mm. Packers because otherwise, why in the hell do they take a cornerback when they have so many needs, especially at I mean a cornerback. They have so many needs, especially a quarterback. And they could add, they could add Justin Fields. Could have had Fields. They, you know, good Ohio State quarterback. They, they, well, they could have had Kyle Trask. Hey, that's right, baby. <laughs> Do you think that story is over with, though? I mean, I, I don't think it's over. I and I, and I think that if you look at who Green Bay drafted, they they drafted a cornerback. They need a cornerback, so a deal. F- for uh, Rogers would include certain, um, you know, the, the myriad quarterbacks who are currently on the Broncos right now and, and all kinds of picks. I'm sure lock certain mm-hmm. and picks for Rogers. I, lo- I, I love Aaron Rodgers as a, as a quarterback, what he did relative to the draft was a dick move. Oh, a he's dick. such a diva. Well, he's yeah. He's no, a jerk. He is. Yeah, he is, I mean, and, he's he, and he's afraid that he's, a, he's afraid to stand be, stand behind his actions too. Because when he gets called out, he's like, "Oh well, I love the Packers fans, and I I don't want anyone to be upset." You know, he just wants to force this this quietly now, behind the scenes. Now, having said that, did you see like every first round pick the Packers have had since he's been the starter? They've taken a defensive player except once, and that was right. when they took a quarterback to replace him. Right, right. I mean, they did, not exactly giving him a, a lot of love. Yeah, he's got they, a point. They did the opposite of how the how the Bucks handled it when they just drafted Trask. They went to Brady and said, "Hey, we're, we need to draft someone because you're not going to be here forever." Are you're you okay with years that? old. You're eighty. Yeah, and he's like, old. he's like, I totally understand. Go ahead and do it. Yeah. Well, he's all also the Packers 43. had to do was have that conversation with Rodgers couple of years ago and everything would have been fine. Yeah. They just don't know how to manage. Man, yeah, these but guys he, have... he's a lot younger than Brady. So that conversation still would have been awkward. Yeah. Like, and yeah. they took a guy in the first round. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say this about the draft. I mean, Toby, to, to your point about, um, you know, how many people were watching and, and like, you know, you're one of the numb nuts who I, I'm literally like, who's watching round seven to eight? And I'm getting let's fucking go text messages yeah, I know. from house. Like, I'm like, who? Oh, Toby's watching. Of course, he, of course is. he is. I'm like, this is ridiculous. But I could watch those videos of those kids getting the calls from the coaches all day long. I mean, every one of them is so cool. And, you know, you, you the NFL is a massive business and that'll probably be the last moment of pure joy that these kids ever have playing football again. Cause the, the soulless NFL is about to just break them, but every one of them is so cool to watch and, and, you know, to celebrate their accomplishments, except Justin Fields. I mean, whoa, talk <laughs> about body language. I mean, if you're the bears fans, you have to be so excited. Then you watch this guy and you're like, Oh my God, he doesn't want to be here at all. Like he looked, he looked like devastated by the whole thing. I mean, that guy, he needs counsel. Right, right. He should have been happy to go where he went. Yeah. What was what's the problem? You're going to you're about to play for the Chicago Bears. And I don't know if I don't even know if he's unhappy or not, but I'm just saying, like, the body language when they cut to him was well, I think he thought he was going to 
San Fran, right? Yeah. I think yeah. he thought he was just going early. I don't think it had to, I think it had more to do that he was sour about where he was picked, not who he was going to. Well, yeah. he looked really he looked really sad. But the you know, the, the other thing that I think is is interesting, I mean nobody knows shit about these players. Let's be yeah. honest. I mean, I've read so many like draft scorecards, and I literally read one that that you know gives your Eagles a, a D or a C plus or something like right. that for the draft. And then I open the next one and somebody writes that they had the best draft of any team out there. And then you read the, the next, I mean, like literally nobody has a clue about these players. You can be smart in how you go about selecting someone, but it just goes to show, I think how the smallest of things make players in the NFL, right? I mean, like walking into a situation where if you're a linebacker and you're playing uh, behind a stud front four, you're going to, you have a chance at being successful. Whereas you could be the most highly touted linebacker. And, and if you don't have anybody in front of you middling, right? Like this poor kid from Penn state, who's got to go to the Cowboys now. I mean, he's going to, his career is over before it started. <laughs> and, and the football team snatches some guy from, you know, as you all like to remind me, some, Low level SEC school, Kentucky the basketball school, and this guy's going to be a, an all pro. Did he play for he's pro? He is, yeah, he is? of course oh, he is. Oh, but, but no, I mean, in all seriousness, though, I mean, the people who walk into the right situations, I mean, that's it's just like it really is a game of inches, and and there's just no way to know who's going to be successful. But you've got a hit in your if you're drafting top 15. Like you've got a hit on your first round pick. If you don't, right. if they turn out to be busts, and I know right. from ex- from experience, like it can really set you back several years. I mean, just or, think about all the guys. I mean, I mean, look at Fields or, or twenty five years or or longer. or your entire twenties and thirties and most of your youth. That's yeah. why I think it's hard. It's I think it's hard to to grade a team beyond the second round. You know, I mean. Any, anyone who says the Eagles had a bad draft is crazy because if you just look at their first two picks, they're solid, good picks. Devonta Smith's the Heisman Trophy winner for a reason. I really believe he's going to have a great career. And the, and the lineman they took from Alabama is a blue chipper. I mean, how do you say that's a bad draft? Well, I think, isn't the knock, Toby, to correct me if I'm wrong, that they didn't get a cornerback early or defense yeah. or anything like that? Well, with, I, that, I mean... People obviously are not listening closely. The GMs are not listening closely enough to the SMQB podcast right. because we That's had okay. this dis- yeah. we had this discussion about need versus best available. The Eagles clearly went with the best available draft. A number of teams did. I think if you're not playing for the Super Bowl or for the playoffs this year, you got to go with best available. I get needs. I get if you're a couple positions away that just you need to fill that gap to, to make it to the next level. But it's a big risk. If, if you've got, if you've got a, a young team and you're drafting somebody that you're counting on coming in next year, I, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, the Eagles drafted, and that's why they were getting so much criticism because their need was a cornerback. But they, you don't get it all in one year. I just want to ask Rooster, like, talking about what Bison said about do we know any of these players? I mean, honestly, hand on the Bible. Before you watched that draft, had you ever heard of Aziz Ojolari? Oh yeah, I had. In fact, I will tell you. 
I will tell you that either either one or two uh, uh, episodes ago, when I was talking about how the Giants needed an edge, I mentioned Ojolari and uh, the guy from Miami, Rousseau. This is Rousseau. Yeah, I wow. love that pick. I lo- I think that's the steal of the draft. That pick. <laughs> wow. Wow. Steal okay. of the draft. I mean, a lot of people agree with you that they like that pick. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was NFL.com at him as the number twenty-two best player. And we got him at fifty. The Giants considered taking him at eleven if no one was available. So I you know, the part of my I like the Giants draft, but I actually think maybe they should have just stayed at eleven after getting screwed by the Cowboys and taken Rashawn Slater, the offensive tackle, um, who the who the Chargers wound up taking. It is um, nice to see though that the, we need, the Giants. We need line. It is nice to see the Giants still whining though. I mean, just like the way you guys finished last season, complaining about the Eagles losing the last game of the se- of the season, and now you're complaining that the Cowboys screwed you. So it's just it's you know just sort of typical Giants whining still going on. Rooster, how we roll, it, baby. Like <laughs> now that you've now that you've slept on the draft and everything, are you still happy with taking Kadarius Tony at twenty? Better be. Um, I am happy Hedging. with Kadarius Tony, although I think I'd be ha- I would have been happier with Rashawn Slater, but but I'm not unhappy with Kadarius Tony because my main man Milk tells me that he's awesome, and he he's told awesome, me that. But he told me that last been, episode before we took him. You might have been able to get him later, though. You might have been a little yeah. early. Yeah, like and three, I actually like think, three rounds later. I actually <laughs> think Elijah Moore is a better wide receiver. I think he was well, the fourth best, fourth best wide receiver in the draft, and we did not need to take Kadarius Tony there. But I think he's a good, I think he's a good player. He's going to help Danny Dimes out a lot. He, I yeah, he's a slot guy. You know, he he's going to get him out of a lot of trouble. I think the it's problem, be good he, for him. The the problem I see with Kadarius Tony is Dimes holds the ball late. He doesn't get rid of the ball quickly, and Tony doesn't get open quickly. He's like no. making all kinds of moves trying to get open, and by then, Danny Dimes has been flattened because our line sucks. Elijah Moore, well, Elijah Moore went to the team that won the draft. J E T S Jets Jets yeah, Jets. Yeah, they did. They did a they, damn good job, and they're still going to suck. They, they're still going to suck. They yeah. got suck. their first. Yeah. first yeah, they'll be getting first, a quarterback in another two or three They'll years. figure out a way to suck, believe me. <laughs> their first four picks yeah. are day one starters. Zach Wilson, I still think he's going to be a stud. This I Elijah don't. Vera Tucker, who the pundits are going crazy about because of his versatility on the line. Elijah Moore, the wide receiver from Mississippi, who looks like he's a stud. And this Michael, Michael Carter, Carter. Kid yeah. from North Carolina, who looks like he's a really versatile back. Yeah. That's that's a lot, a lot of day one starters yeah, for a draft yeah, for the Jets. Yeah, absolutely. Zach Wilson is the only question mark there, I think. Well, that is the Jets. And, and that he's, they're all on the Jets. Well, I want to know, hey, uh, uh, Pope, you're a North Carolina fan. Tell me about, <laughs> tell me about D- Diami Brown. He was a uh, uh, latecomer wide receiver. I mean, I think uh, – um, if you look at Mac Brown's offense this year, I mean, it was dynamic. And then, I mean, you can see where, uh, where those guys were picked. So um, remind me again, who did Brown go to? Yeah. He went to the football team, just adding speed. I mean, he's a burner and I, I mean, really 
those that team has got as much speed on on the offensive side of the ball as anybody other than Kansas City probably at this point. Well, let's hope it's magic and hit him. Good thing yeah. you got a quarterback. Yeah. Well, listen. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna find out if you can pop an old guy in with with the rest of the offense. But they are we are gonna find out. I mean, they. I mean, they're so fast. You better just throw the ball up after he gets the snap. I'm, I'm telling you, injury. look. Other than Dak, who's coming off an injury, I have I, Fitzmagic oh, is the best quarterback in the game. Oh my God. God! You need so much help. You will say that about anybody. If it was Taylor oh, Heineken, you would say that. No, you, you are such a homer. Where's your dope button? Where is that? Button? I mean, are you kidding? Wait, you you're telling me Jalen Hurts is better. I'll take Jalen Hurts over Fitzmagic. Yes. No Last way. time I checked, Fitzmagic had a beer belly. He was playing at the Florida State Fair, throwing at clowns yeah. on the walls. Yeah. I'm, I'm, not not even a huge, on. I'm not even a huge Daniel Jones fan. <laughs> and I don't think you'd find one person out there who would say, yeah, Daniel Jones for Fitzmagic is a, is a smart deal for the Giants. No, no, no. I'm not talking about a trade, but I'm just saying who's going to look. I, I'll tell you this about Jalen Hurts. He will either not start off as the starter this season or he will not finish the season as the starter. He is true. not not going to make it as an NFL quarterback. And, I mean, sorry, look. Fitz I don't know. He's got, he's got Smitty now. Fitz I'll is not our long-term. I'll Fitz take that Smitty wager. It's not the long-term answer in Washington, but Jalen Hurts is not the long-term answer in I, I don't disagree. Neither is you, who would you buy stock in now, Tua or Jalen Hurts? Neither. Tua. Tua. It's a tough call. And, and I want, I'm glad you brought that up because that's my winner team in the draft, actually, was the Dolphins. Of course. I think the Dolphins. Yeah, I'm going to give a little love to my, my adopted city here. <laughs> um, but I, I, I mean, I it's a think that – Well, I, I don't root for them. I'm just saying I thought they had a good draft. I but you do. I Secretly. Mean, Secretly you Waddle – Nah, Waddle. I mean, Waddle could be a, a just a superstar. I mean, we're all talking about Smith, but remember, Waddle was the was the premier receiver on that offense before he got hurt uh, in in Alabama. There, and uh, you know they got this guy Phillips from Miami. Uh, just a just a good haul for for the Dolphins, and I'm I'm really curious to see what Waddle can do. And I think that uh, you know, as far as Tua goes, coming off of that major injury. I just think he's entitled to a to a clean slate this year to see how he can how he can prepare. You're never really back one year after after a big injury like that. I mean, those things they get guys back on the field, but you're 18 months, you know, before you're back in top form. If you play I Waddle like Tyreek, he's going to be a stud. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's why Tua was such a great college quarterback was the slant. I mean. You put you put Waddle on some of those slant plays. Good luck catching him. I mean, he's got he's got elite speed. Yeah, and and you I, know, uh, it wasn't two as long balls down that was so he was just an accurate passer. He threw exactly where the slant needed to be. I saw. I went to the A and M game uh, a couple years ago when Waddle before Waddle was hurt, and I saw Tua looking out out to the sideline, and without even moving his head, he flicks this dart to waddle on a slant and it was like a 15 yard completion um but uh, you know i i that's when i knew too i had what it took to be an nfl quarterback and waddle just blew by the whole defense well it's touched touched the ball and that comfort level with him might be the the little added you know extra kicker that gets him gets him going in the nfl gets mm-hmm. Tua going in the nfl is having a guy he's comfortable with 
Guys, I think the Bears did what they had to do. I know everyone mocks uh, Justin Fields. I think this whole idea that there's a some sort of a curse on Ohio State quarterbacks is silly. Um, there have been some bad Ohio State quarterbacks, but there's no such thing as a curse. And th- and Justin Fields is the real deal. He is a good, talented quarterback. And the Bears did what they had to do to get their fans back on board. And then they drafted a damn good offensive uh, tackle, Tevin Jenkins, uh, out of Oklahoma State. I think they had a really good draft. I, you know, there's not a curse, but what I didn't like was starting to hear things about Fields and his work ethic. And th- if you even hear a whisper of that after watching what Dwayne Haskins did in Washington, where, I mean, that was his knock was he just didn't work. He didn't study. He had, he was following around Alex Smith. Who's like one of the hardest working quarterbacks before he retired. And, and he couldn't figure out Haskins couldn't figure out how to show up to work and be a professional. And then you start hearing that about fields, man, I'd be real nervous that there's, that's an Ohio state I, thing at some I point. I just, I just want to know why Jake, I, I want to know why Justin Fields couldn't beat out Jake from uh, that's a, I mean, that's a great question. I don't think right. Jake Fromm was the that great of a Fromm, quarterback. Sure. So if Justin Fields couldn't beat out Jake Fromm, then maybe maybe he turned into some superhero in one year in Ohio State. But I don't know. That's that's what I go back. I mean, they didn't to. even can't play, beat out Jake Fromm. They didn't play a full year. I mean, you didn't get yeah. a full year snapshot. I mean, yeah, he was great in the semis against Clemson. What he had six touchdowns. I mean, torched him. But uh, he was just as bad against Alabama as he was great in the yeah. Clemson game. So yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, they the Bears fans are all excited. They traded up to eleven to get him. But well, the Bears see, are Bears they deserve are to be excited. They've had nothing to root for. They got they, yeah. Trubisky. Come on, Justin Fields will determine whether the Bears or Denver had the best draft out of anyone this year. If he turns out to be great, I don't know. Well, how about, let's talk about if the he Niners. turns out to suck. Denver looks, yeah, amazing. Talk about the Niners. The, yeah, what they mortgaged to try to go get <laughs> at number three. You know, everybody thought problems. they were going to go to big Mac. Problems, and, and they yeah, at least they didn't. At least they at least they didn't get Mac Jones. Milk. Why do you think the Broncos draft was so exceptional? I'm saying it's uh, it's going to determine on. Well, first of all, I think Sertain is pretty damn good. I think he, he's gonna be i mean he's gonna be a pro bowler right but that would be like the bucks drafting another right tackle yeah but i'm i mean you got I think fields is a question mark and i think certain is not and if, but, Sert- but if the, that's the best but the broncos the broncos mentality. have four good cornerbacks now and they have no quarterbacks they? yeah they have no quarterback there's their defense is terrible they're lacking yeah, they uh, at linebacker offensive line their running backs are old, you know, Melvin Gordon, they've got, they got rid of Lindsay. I mean, they have so many needs. Why would they draft their strength at, at their strength, their position? What if strength? that is a, what if that is an eight to 10 year perennial pro bowl player that locks down one corner? I yeah, think that's, I mean, yeah, that, well, that's, that's great. But I mean, you go in drew lock or Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. But the, the last time they had a guy like that, that's they traded him to the Redskins because you're, you can't win with just an all-star cornerback. You need, you need the skill, you know, you need the money man, the quarterback. And they, they didn't take a quarterback anywhere in the draft. Nowhere. Denver, right. And, and by the way, no. That's they, why they did have Locker Hightower. Back to UNC. Didn't they take that really solid UNC running back in the second round? Did the Broncos? I don't know. 
Yeah, they took Javonta Williams, who's from, really good. I mean, they, he he's, he's he's first round talent. Yeah, he is so, good. I, All right, so that was a good pick. I don't know. I I, I it's it depends on how Fields looks. If Fields comes out and is amazing, they look terrible. Right. Oh, there's there there's a there's some guys. I, I want to go back to the Eagles draft because. There's a couple guys I'm we really interested to. to see. We have we to, have to really? because yeah, we have to. They got speaking of corner, they got this kid named Zek McPherson. He's a cornerback transfer from Penn State to Texas Tech. He's got seven siblings, and every single one of them is in professional sports. That's pretty that's, that's pretty amazing. That's, that's not and then <laughs> and then the next the next player they took, I, I found this fascinating and I, I saw him burn Tulane. But this guy, Kenneth Gainwell, running back, he is like a carbon copy of Antonio Gibson, who it turns out he actually started in front of Gibson. But this is like the new prototype running back is not so much the banger in between the tackles, but the guy who can be versatile and catch it out in the flat and, you know, do yards after the catch like an Antonio Gibson. I'm excited to see if we play Gainwell like like that. Um, But for me and Milk, you'll you'll know this feeling. I mean. All I have ever wanted is for the Eagles to draft a player from my alma mater, Tulane University, and the seventh round. It was thought they'd go in like the fifth or the sixth. They'd take an outside linebacker, Patrick Johnson, who's the career uh, all-time sack leader at Tulane University, and his name comes up on the board, and it's like manna from heaven. Milk, what is it like to get Kyle Trask from Florida on the Bucks? By the way, first of all, I was really happy for you. I hope he makes the team. I mean, Me too. I, makes I, thought, you're, I thought you were going to get Cam Sample for a little while there. I did uh, too. I'm I am extremely excited about Trask. Um, look, Brady's 43 years old. He may have one, two years max left. I think there's so much upside with him. He doesn't have the best arm. I mean, it, that is a knock on him. Um, but man, I mean, you had to take him there. I think I don't. You know, we weren't going to pick again, maybe in, unless we had a trade until the end of the third round. I think he was going to be gone. I think it was, you know, we're getting knocked on it a little bit because it wasn't, you know, getting back to filling a need. But we got to start thinking about the future. And well, it's kind of a need. Yeah, it's kind of a need. I, yeah, I, think I mean, so. one I mean, hit, Brady could be yeah, out. About He's going to have a backup. I mean, we're, we're one hit away from Blaine Gabbert being our quarterback. So don't, I, nobody, all, nobody ever wants to be in that spot. No. So I'm all for it. I think there's so much upside. He gets to sit behind Brady for a couple of years. Can't I, I love it. Y'all get so was, lucky with injuries last year, milk. So lucky. By the way, do you guys remember? I sent you a text True. before the draft or maybe it was before round two saying, keep an eye out for these guys. And on that list were three edge rushers. And I was just hoping that the giants would get one of them. And it was Aziz Ojolari, Cam Sample was on that list, and then a guy named Ellerson Smith from Northern Iowa. And the Giants got two out of the three of those guys, Ojolari wow. and Ellerson Smith. So I'm psyched about our draft. We, we desperately need some pass rush, and I think we got two really good ones. You, you know, House, back to um, uh, Gainwell. You know, Gibson was Antonio Gibson was like a was a wide receiver basically, and they they used him at Memphis all over the place. That when Washington took him, they they already told him, you know, you're going to be in the backfield more. Um, we had a guy 
uh, Chris Thompson from Florida State, oh, yeah. who played with Washington for a few years. Uh, you know, unfortunately, he was he was a little guy and he and he was injured quite a bit. But boy, when he was available to play, the offense was so much more dynamic because of the things he could do coming out of the backfield. Uh, and I think you're right. I mean, I think that is going to be sort of a prototypical um, way things are going to start going now. Running backs just, you know, there's only one Derrick Henry. And outside of that, offenses are just trying to create, you know, matchup problems all over the field. And these these fast guys who they're bulky enough that they can carry it up the middle just to keep the defense honest. But those are the guys who help you create matchup problems. Well, and, and you know, if, if we're talking about running backs from Alabama, that takes me into my winners because the winner for me in the draft was Alabama. That eight of the first 38 picks. That's just insane. Unbelievable. Um, and Najee Harris actually slid to the second round. Um, and the Steelers got him. And, uh, you know, I think they next... got him first round. They're, they're, oh, yeah, they're right. Yeah, first they got him with the 24th yeah. pick. Late he's like, 24th. he's so perfect for them. Oh, my God. So and, and so he you're is... talking about catching the ball out of the backfield um, on the, you know, uh, the slant or whatever. I mean, he's going to be, he's going to be trouble for, for a long time and he's got he's got a speed to burn um and you know you've seen him leap uh defenders <laughs> oh so my God. good luck he's good gonna luck have to with that line down. yeah you know, to, to follow up on what bison said about players needing to be in the right situations i i also really really like Najee harris and I'm, i feel badly that he's not in the right situation because believe it or not the the steelers Run blocking is terrible now. I mean, we everyone thinks of the Steelers as having this great grinded out offensive line. As recently as 2018, they were in like the top two of of run blocking. Last year, they were in the bottom three in the league. So I, I mean, Najee Harris could have could have gone to a t- team with a great line and just plugged right in and been fantastic. But I'm not sure I'd take him in a fantasy football league. Steelers are terrible. He's going to his serious points. So what's your, um, uh, since you're on the Bama, probably know them better than all of us. What's your honest take on whether the Mac attack works for the Pats and Belichick? Well, and so, you know, again, you'll see it on Facebook when we post it, but I've got as my virtual background, Saban and Belichick, because, that is one story from the draft. I mean, those guys go way back. Saban was his DC in the early nineties at Cleveland. Um, like two of the they, four, two of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> they, they talk regularly. And I think that, that Saban sold uh, Belichick that Mac, um, you know, where he, he may not be the next Tom Brady, but he certainly has all the qualities there that bill looks for in a quarterback. I mean, he's a pro style quarterback, He's got he's got a good arm, not a great arm. He's got a good arm, very accurate, and he's a winner. And he's you know he'll be infectious in the locker room. Uh, and so I I believe in Mac. Uh, we we you know he he came over as quarterback for Alabama his last year, and people were like, well, he's a real question mark. Bryce Young, their um, stud quarterback uh, draftee uh, or uh, uh, freshman, was rumored to possibly be, take him on, and 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 Mac was superior. So I, I see definitely Mac, uh, stepping right in. And, you know, I love the fact that it's Cam Newton who he's going to eventually overtake 
because there was not one quarterback I hated more than Cam Newton when, or Scam as I called him when he was at Auburn. So <laughs> I, I love, I love Matt coming in and and hovering over Cam because I, I think that's a good pick. Well, and then, all those and then highlight followed up and got Barmore in the second round. Yeah, all those highlight uh, videos you see of Devonta Smith. I mean, there was someone was throwing those balls to him, and it was Mac Jones and Tua. There's this guy, there's this other guy who likes sports, has a podcast. His name's Bill Simmons, and he's, uh, you might have heard of him. But anyway, he, he has, he's a Pats fan, and he was oh, literally yeah. like so ecstatic. He was like, well, the over under on, on how many Super Bowls Mac gets is six and a half. So what do we oh, I, 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 I don't that. know. <laughs> well, he would yeah. also tell you that uh, Belichick has a pretty bad record of drafting players. Um, and so uh, I think that they're all pretty excited about this one, though. Yeah, not a lot of pressure at fifteen. He loves like there players would have been at with, three with dad bods too. So you got one yeah. of those. Yeah. And Pope, what's your what's your? We've heard from all of our own teams pretty much, but we haven't really heard much from you about the Cowboys. So he's trying Cowboys, to he's still trying to figure out who these people are. That they so the Cowboys <laughs> picked six of their first. <laughs> yeah, their first six picks were defense, and that's where I said in the the draft preview that we needed to go. Uh, we traded down, tr- you know, for the first time I can remember, like we talked about house for draft capital and we got it, uh, another guy in third round. So, um, you know, they're going to, they're going to be better on defense. So Micah Parsons drafts have consequences. Micah Parsons, uh, is going to probably take over, um, at linebacker immediately. Uh, and they're not going to pick up the fifth year option on Vander Esch. They just announced that today. So, hmm. You know, Vander Esch is playing for a contract, um, and he's been hurt a lot. So Jalen Smith, he's also been hurt. Uh, I, I like the Parsons pick. I think he's got a good motor. So he's saying everything right. You know, he looks he looks like he's going to be a good fit for the Cowboys. Now they got their cornerback with Kelvin Joseph in the second round. Um, now, what, those guys Kentucky both guy. have, There's bench warrants out for the rest of <laughs> both of those guys, or just one of them. I'm just no. trying to understand. Look, uh, so to follow is, is his, his pales compared to Kel, Kelvin's a little bit worse than my bet. But you know, Kelvin started off at LSU, so he's got he's got premier college talent. Uh, and then they got another Kentucky guy, which you know, if I if if, if you get on your bingo card, Dallas takes two Kentucky defenders. You would have definitely shocked all of us. Um, and then Jabril so Kel- Cox Kelvin, from LSU. Kelvin Joseph. Kelvin Joseph is good friends with my buddy Darius Geis. That's about how long he's going to be. <laughs> <in the NFL. laughs> I do like that. Jabril Cox, Cox from L, a linebacker from LSU also. So, yeah. uh, look, I wanted Sartain. Obviously, I was a little homer with Alabama. Loving to see Diggs and Sartain in the corners. That would have been sh- a shutdown for, for years. Um, yep. Uh, I think we got the best we could in light of circumstances. Uh, you know, like they said, it's going to be three years before we know how this draft does. Uh, Cowboys went all in with Dak, and they we got to put points on the board. That's the bottom line. We what got- do you say, though, to House, who says that getting one third rounder is not enough for allowing your interdivisional rival to take Devonta Smith. And when he was referring to the Giants, I'll tell you what the Giants got in their trade was a third rounder, a first rounder next year, and a fourth rounder next year. So they got a third, a first, and a fourth. Well, yeah, but where, where the, where the, how many spots did the Bears go to get to 11? Nine. 
Yeah, they mean a lot. Well, we moved down from 11 to 20 and got a third rounder this year and then a first and a fourth next year. Sure. That was the best part of the Giants draft weekend, I think. Yeah. It's, 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 it was, it was two slots that Dallas traded down for and they got a third rounder. I don't think they could have demanded much more. No, I don't think so. So I think they maximized it. And I guess the bottom line is if you think Devante Jalen to Devante or, you know, the next uh, North Dakota state quarterback comes out <laughs> next year and they draft to Devante is going to be a problem for the rest of the division. Then uh, it's just a risk. The Cowboys are willing to take They've traded, they've traded inner division before. I mean, it's hard By to play Jerry. I can't remember. I can't remember a trade like this ever before. It's not Isn't that big a trade. Anyone? It's really not that big a trade. I don't know, but is it the case that of all of us on the pod, the only one who drafted a quarterback is Milk and the Bucks? <laughs> is, is that true? That's, yeah, I think that's true. None of you guys drafted a quarterback, right? We no, didn't take no, one. No. no. That's crazy. Wow. You know, I was I was saying for, for Washington. No. Because Washington obviously needed a quarterback, and and we do need you know long term solution. But I was saying to Pope yesterday, you know, if you if you look at Kyle Allen and Taylor Heineken, uh, Heineke, and and figure that you know by the time you're in the third fourth round of the draft, that those two guys are as good as anybody that you're gonna you know evaluate you know you're gonna take in the third or fourth or fifth round then why draft somebody, you know, you, you just evaluate those two guys who you have hey. on your team and you get other better players. Davis Mills. <laughs> yeah, I would say this. You could have had him. I would say this, Bison. I think that the one thing that Ryan Fitzpatrick, after being on 26 NFL teams and graduating from <laughs> Harvard, the one thing that he probably could do is teach a new kid that comes in about the NFL and groom him and, and you know, so he can – that's, no, that's where they should have. They they probably should have taken someone to be under his wing. Yeah, he's only on a one year contract, and and I mean, listen, that can apply to to Heineken or Kyle Allen. I mean, those are both young guys, and, and I'm just saying, if the talent level is the same, if you're evaluating those two guys as having the same talent as a fourth round quarterback pick, what 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 are you losing out on? You know, yeah, you're going to replace a guy with a guy. That's it. That's all you're doing. Well, I think the um, the playoff Cleveland Browns only got stronger in this. That's another oh, yeah. one. Oh, can that I look at stop with the Browns in this? I, I, listen, they, they they this cornerback from Northwestern. They love this kid Greg Newsom. They got this Notre Dame linebacker who I thought the other steal in the draft. Yeah, the Washington football team. I was sure they were going to take this kid. Oh, fine, you took the Kentucky, whatever. But they they got this Jeremiah Awasu Koromoa from Notre Dame, who's a stud, a burner from Auburn, Anthony Schwartz, and then filled in with an offensive tackle, defensive tackle, linebacker, safety, and then I love this last pick they took. They got a, a true kick returner specialist, this UCLA kid, Demetric Felton, which I think enough teams don't do that. Just get somebody for your return specialist. I think the Browns, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see the Browns stay strong in that division after all those years of misery. And I think they just got a lot stronger. A lot of people had the uh, Notre Dame linebacker going in the late in the first round. Yeah. All right. We got it. We got to move on to our, to our next topic. But before we do that, you got 
one pick you love. Now, I don't want to, nobody, you don't have to get into why you love it and everything. One pick you love from a team and one pick you love from your own team. House, you go first. Bengals, Cam Sample, awesome. Tulane, dominated defensive player of the Senior Bowl, the most valuable player, defensive player. He's going to be a stud. You'll see it. And I love the Eagles' selection of Landon Dickerson. I think he will be healthy and will anchor our line for years to come. Milk. Can I change your request a little bit? I'm gonna I'm gonna say the my favorite pick for my team is is Trask. Obviously, although I I like this Darden kid, this wide receiver from North Texas. Keep an eye on him. Um, can I just say because we're not we haven't talked about who had terrible drafts. I just want to make sure I get this out there. The Raiders had an awful draft. <laughs> oh my god, brutal! What are they doing? They this. No offense, this Alex Leatherhood or whatever would would way too early. And then I think didn't they take like two safeties in a row or something? I mean, Gruden, he's just brutal. The worst. And also, I think the Seahawks screwed up. Yes. Yes. They they didn't. I know they didn't have a first. They didn't have a first or third. And then Russell Wilson sitting there going, God, give me help on the O-line. And they took a wide receiver. In the second round, right, right. So yeah, they have I, two great wide wide receivers, and they take a wide receiver. Unbelievable, unbelievable. So, anyways, oh. I, all right. I, that's that's my answer, Nace. Hope, give me one you love on your team, and one uh, and another pick you love. So I I actually like the Parsons pick. I think he's going to be a long term linebacker. You you know Penn State guy, and uh, I I see him anchoring our defense for a long time. So I like I do like that pick, um, and and a little twist on my favorite um, because it you know you think about the SEC Alabama LSU dominated for so many years now but you're you've got the reunion of Burrow and Jamar Chase national championship you got the reunion of Tua and Waddle national championship and you got a renewal whatever uh, reunion of of uh, Jalen and Devonte Smith. And, you know, they did win a championship, although not, you know, uh, quarterback to receiver on that team. So, um, I think that's just a fascinating thing to watch in the next uh, couple years, how those develop. And out of those three, what is the best receiver quarterback combo, uh, going in, going forward. Rooster. The, my favorite pick on another team is a boring pick, but to me, a very, very smart pick on a fun, prospering team. And that is the Chargers selection of Rashawn Slater, offensive tackle for, for Justin Herbert. Great pick. Wish we had made it. My favorite pick on the Giants was Aziz Ojolari, followed by Ellerson Smith. We desperately needed edge rushers, and both of those guys are fantastic. And I'm going uh, also a, what along your lines of a boring pick, but the Detroit Lions uh, taking uh, Panay Sewell. Uh, you know, th- this is they've got their left tackle now for a decade, uh, who's going to be there, and they have a young quarterback on the team too. So that's that's a smart pick. And then for the Washington Football Team, I just loved everything they did in the draft. But I'll go with. <laughs> Listen, uh, you guys, a lot of people are giving them very high marks uh, for their draft class. But, I mean, Davis, you guys are teasing about the SEC linebacker. I think he's going to be great. And I already mentioned Brown. 
but I was so happy to see them take in the second round uh, Samuel Cosme from Texas and just getting a big old offensive lineman because it's just smart. It's smart to draft good offensive linemen. Yeah. All right. So that's the draft. That's the draft wrap. Um, I think that just uh, gets us to punchable face of the week. Come on, man. And I could see someone who's got a little wow. bit of a vendetta, a little, a little vendetta steam coming out of those house ears. Whoa, yeah, I am pissed a off. Little red. Whoa, I, I, I am pissed off. I, last Wednesday, the Phillies faced the St. Louis Cardinals. The game was tied three-three in the sixth inning. The Cardinals brought in this reliever named Genesis Cabrera, a different kind, the wrong kind of wild thing. He begins by hitting Bryce Harper in the face with a 97-mile-per-hour fastball. The Cardinals manager, Mike Schilt, right there and then wanted to pull him. But he couldn't. So then Cabrera pitches to Didi Gregorius, and he beans him in the back. And Schilt wants to pull him, but he couldn't. Girardi's going nuts in the dugout. He wants this guy ejected. The umps don't eject him. So Andrew McCutcheon comes out good for the Phillies. He gets a single and the Phillies win. I should be happy, right? Schilt was unequivocal when they asked me after the game. They said, did you think that this loss came about because of the three hitter rule? He said it was a total failure of the three batter minimum rule. This is another gimmick that the major league baseball has started that the pitcher has to face a minimum of three batters. Totally. Rewind, rewind one week. Madison Bumgarner of the Arizona Diamondbacks throws seven great innings in a seven nothing win against the Braves. So no great hitter. No that hitter. he doesn't even give up any hits, but it's not a no hitter. In fact, there's it's even a, nice a 19 game. seven innings it, of no hit ball. You know what they call that Pope? It's actually not a, a no hitter. A 1991 ruling by Commissioner Faye Vincent said that you had to pitch at least nine innings and any pitcher who does not allow a hit in less than nine innings should be considered a quote, notable achievement. That's what Baumgartner got was a trophy, a notable achievement. Why couldn't he get a no hitter? Because of major league baseball's gimmick to limit doubleheader games during COVID to seven innings because they need to spin, speed up the game, right? Like last night's four-hour marathon between the Phillies and Mets for nine innings. And then you fast forward to this past Friday. Uh, Jose Alvarado was facing the Mets' Dominic Smith. Oh, now this is going to get fun. Now this is going to get fun. Here we go. I am buckled in. He's facing Dominic Smith of the Mets in a t- close game, eighth inning. The history was about a month earlier, Alvarado had unintentionally beamed Michael Conforto of the Mets. And when that happened, Smith started jawing from the dugout and that pissed him off. And so fast forward to the game and Alvarado is facing Smith. You know how batters do the whole gamesmanship to interrupt the timing of the pitcher. He steps out a couple times to un, you know disrupt the rhythm of Alvarado. But 
Alvarado stares him down, finishes the at bat by striking out Smith, ending the eighth. And when he finishes it, he smacks his glove, steps off the mound towards the dugout, and starts jawing a little bit at Smith. Like, let's hear you talk now. Wait a minute. Yeah, That's yeah. not quite what he did. That's he, not did. Exactly. He, he stepped he, off the mound. He took he a step. He threw his glove down. Okay, so fine. He threw his glove down. And he jawed, he jawed at Smith a little bit. I mean, the same way Smith was jawing for the dugout. So the Mets are upset about that. They leave the dugout. The bench is clear from both teams, no fight or anything. And then yesterday or over the weekend, Major League Baseball announces that because Alvarado opened his mouth and jawed a little bit, he needed to be suspended three games. Now, that suspension was reduced to two, but he still suspended two more games than the entire Houston Astros cheaters who you all you guys have gone off about for ever to cheat to win a world series which totaled a number of suspensions of a donut hole zero major league baseball is so screwed up right now nobody's watching these games the ratings are terrible the gimmicks they input from covid are stupid the way they mandate and and the way they handle their penalties are stupid and they're taking the fun out of baseball you know let people jaw a little bit if you get struck out you get struck out like whatever like i i've just had it with major league baseball this is not about being that it's against the phillies or anything like that it's not fun and for that reason i might be alone but i'm giving major league baseball bam my punch in the face and they have historically low offensive numbers which is another reason the product sucks well so well that just depends what what kind of product you like but I I was with you. I wanted to to I wanted to argue with you over everything you said, but I was actually agreeing with you until you made it about fun, right? It's not about this thing with Alvarado. Alvarado's a chump and he should be suspended. That's not your argument on fun. Your argument on fun is the guy who hits a home run and flips the bat. Your argument on on I mean that's okay. That's fun. The Bryce Tatis Harper stuff is fun. Bryce Harper is fun. I'm with you on all that. Alvarado was taunting the other team. And there is a line that you can cross between being fun and taunting. And, you know, my coach used to always say, you know, keep it our way. Keep the cheering our way, right? You can have fun in the dugout. You know, two years ago, the Nats had their home run dance that they did uh, in the dugout after someone hit a home run. You dance with fun. a baby shark, for Christ's sake. Uh, how, right. about, how, about chir- how about chirping at the pitcher from the dugout? Why shouldn't they be suspended for that? That's not fun. Uh, there's not, uh, that, uh, go ahead. No, go, yeah, go ahead, I, it's like It's like when a hockey player drops his gloves. You do that to fight. When you, when you stalk off the mound and throw your glove down like he did, he was doing that to, to fight. That wasn't, that wasn't just... Hey, I'm chirping at you. I didn't like the way you chirped at me. He he aggressively approached the batter who had turned and walked away from him without even looking at him. Most batters, they strike out and they stare down the pitcher to see if they're being shown up. This guy turned and walked away. And and Alvarado throws his glove down and, had, and walked like two-thirds of the way to the plate in a menacing way, like he's going to start a fight. That's different. That's completely different than oh, it's- fun. What's more, it was what's more offensive, what, what I find, yeah, but you, you know what, the, 
House, you're right about everything else. I mean, you're right about major hundred percent about everything else. I mean, the Astros thing is is a complete uh, tragedy, and it's a travesty of justice. It's 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 a joke. You're right about that. You're right about these gimmicky games about the you know the seven inning thing. I got a little leeway for that because I think the the expectation is that you're going to have some games that are canceled during the season that I, on a on a more regular basis than in a normal season. It hasn't really happened this year. And so I think they just instituted that so they could get games played without destroying the the bullpens and the pitchers arms. Double but headers? The seven inning double header thing. I mean cuz I think they're just anticipating That's not a covid gonna, thing though. No they're, it is. I they're going to keep that forever. I don't. Oh, I hope they I don't. Hope not. I hope. Oh, they, don't. they totally are. Absolutely. I hope they don't. But everything else, I agree with you. It's and and honestly, talking about the product on the field, I mean, it, the fact that it's okay to strike out now. I mean, you didn't when you were a kid. Like striking out was like the worst thing that could happen to you, right? I mean, it's humiliating. Learned, it was humiliating. It's like don't strike out. Now these guys strike out twenty five percent of the time, and it's okay. They don't care. The, you know the the challenge for years has been to speed the game up and all these gimmicks, they haven't sped the game up any, they, they, to speed the game up, you need to put a a clock on the batter, how many times the batter can step out and readjust the glove and a clock on the pitcher. You know, you need to throw a pitch X number of seconds between pitches, but these other gimmicks are a joke. And, and, and the thing that I oppose is taking away strategy from the manager. The manager should be, should have, absolute discretion when to pull a pitcher, where to shift his infielders, et cetera. That's just wrong to start imposing strategy on managers. It takes away from the from the integrity of the game. You know, there's a lot of the worst. The worst is the guy at second in extra innings. It's the worst. Just not even close. And you're right about the Astros. I mean, they deserve the nuclear option uh, compared to what Alvarado did, but but I do think that he he was preparing to start a fight. I'm just happy the Phillies now have a menacing pitcher. We need one. But of these you yeah. you know you know there's actually a lot of studies that you know what slows the game down more than anything is the number of foul balls. Yeah. And and I don't know I don't know like there's all sorts of studies that show that the number of foul balls just is like a hockey stick going up right. And I, I don't know. Listen. It sounds like talking about sacrilege. It might be time to to do something with the pitcher's mound, right? You either it might be time to, to change the game somehow Ugh. because oh. I, I don't, whoa, whoa, you want to you want to speed the game uh, up. I mean, I don't know. I'd, I'd rather get, I'd rather see uh, however many foul balls. The next one is strike three. Yeah, three foul before balls changing the strikeout. Well, there's another before you gimmick. change the mound. Well, well it's such a gimmick yeah this all right foul, well, you foul off the good pitches you just get rid of strategy good good punchable face maybe the wrong reason but good punchable face <laughs> you know rupert guys have underestimated me my entire life and for years i never understood why it used to really bother me but then one day i was driving my little boy to school and i saw this quote by walt whitman who painted on the wall there it said be curious not judgmental because if they were curious they would ask questions you know questions like have you played a lot of darts ted 
which I would have answered, yes, sir. Every Sunday afternoon at a sports bar with my father from age 10 to 16, we passed away. this week right we got a lot yeah. this week yeah 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 i i don't know about you but did you did you guys but i i noticed that there seems to be a lot more draft parties draft watching parties by players even like deep into the fourth round i mean it seemed like everybody had their draft party going and that's fine i mean these guys should celebrate their their success mm-hmm. but one thing that really stuck out to me um this week was Najee Harris choosing to give back yep. for his draft party. When he was 12, his family had to live in a homeless shelter for a little while in uh, Richmond, California. And so for his draft party, he got pizza and chicken and decorations and, and uh, gift bags and desserts and everything for the Greater Richmond Interfaith Program in Richmond, California, where he lived for a while. And had an amazing draft watching party there with the whole staff and all the residents took photos with them. Um, And, you know, Jess is a great guy. Um, He deserves recognition for for being a good person as well as an outstanding blue chip running back. He even got uh, the um, SEC Community Service Team Award last year for his volunteer work with Head Start. So this wasn't just something he did because of his family background. This is who he is. He's a really good guy. You have to love Najee Harris. And like I said earlier, I wish he had gone to a team with a monster offensive line and, and we could see him rack up 1,500 yards next year on the ground because I think he's that talented. But um, unless the Steelers get some better offensive linemen, that ain't happening. Anyway, cheers nice to that. Najee. Great yeah. story. Good one. It's a good Great story. One. Great last story, game, Rooster. All right. Anybody have any parting thoughts on sports from the last week? House, you got something? I think we got to give a shout out to an athlete that, again, is not human, but is a horse. Medina Spirit won the Kentucky Derby this past weekend, going off as 12 to 1. He basically won a wire to wire race. But here's what's so cool this little yearling was purchased for a total of $1,000, unheard of in thoroughbred racing. And after he got a little success, modest success, he was sold last year to his current owner for $35,000. Most of the time, these horses are going in the millions. A $35,000 horse held off all the real stud horses to win the Derby. I don't think he's going to win either the other legs of the triple crown, but it was a cool story. I love watching the Derby. And so I give a shout out to Medina spirit. Well, you got hooked up with Baffert. That certainly helped. How many horses did Baffert have in that race? Like six, all of them. (laughs) Good God. He had a few of them. It's the seventh. It set a record seventh time. Wow. Who else? Anyone else? Anyone else got a Well, I have a little something for all you Yankee haters out there. Oh. Bad news. One of our one of our past Cy Young winners, Corey Kluber, is back, baby. He just threw uh, eight innings of shutout baseball the other night and struck ten batters out. So, turnaround time. Here come the Yankees. Eat the Red Sox a few times, will you? 
<laughs> Yikes. I got one. Uh, tip of the cap to Max Scherzer. Nine innings pitched, complete game yesterday. Five hits, uh, gave up one run, and left the ballpark after the game was over to go to the hospital where his wife delivered their third baby. That's a pretty cool day yeah. for the guys. Pitch a complete game, five Max. hits, and then go have a baby. Love it. Good job, yeah, Max. Cool. Happy that's for the full, wife and the baby. I love that's it. That's a full day. <laughs> Happy for the wife. Anything else? Anyone else? That's it. All right, guys. That's it. Have a good week. Good See job, everyone. Week. Cheers. Yeah. Enjoy. Cheers. Let's go!